Hello, everyone, and welcome to the season preview editions of the Providence Journal's College Basketball Podcast. This is Bill Koch, sports writer for the Journal from my Warwick home, uh, joining you on a Wednesday morning. Uh, we are here a few days ahead of the start of college basketball season. Uh, I am joined by my season-long and longtime co-conspirator, the sports director at ABC6, the weekend co-host of Cordishia and Coit on WEI Providence, Nick Coit, ladies and gentlemen. Coity, how are we living? We're living great, Bill, because we are this close to college basketball season. It's going to be a fun year, going to be an interesting year. Uh, it's been an interesting off season for sure. So I think everybody is ready to see what it looks like on the floor. And no shortage of storylines, as you alluded to. We're going to try to hit on a few of those in three separate editions here. We're going to start with a men's preview. We'll also have a women's preview online and then a predictions preview. And yes, we will be bold enough to give you some predictions about who we think will be in the postseason, uh, who we think could be in a little trouble, <laughs> um, you know, and some of the storylines that, that we're looking forward to this season. We'll hit on all of that. Uh, we will start with a men's preview in this edition, and we will start with our only men's NCAA tournament team from last year, and that's Providence. 21-12 uh, and 12 last season, finished in the middle of the pack in the Big East. That was enough to get back to March Madness. And that's about where the continuity ends because everything has changed at Providence with the departure of Ed Cooley to Georgetown. Uh, Kim English hired away from George Mason. Uh, you look at the Friars and, and you look at the job Kim English was able to do in terms of retaining Bryce Hopkins, Devin Carter, Jaden Pierre, Corey Floyd, Rafael Castro, the bones of a good roster. Um Quite, I would say that those guys are are the knowns, and I think for the purposes of this preview pod, I'd like to focus on a little bit of the unknowns or maybe some of the questions for each team. Sure. Uh, and in Providence, I think that starts at the top with Kim in with Kim English. Just your thoughts on him coming in from the Patriots, and you know, realistically, what we should expect as he debuts at Providence Monday night against Columbia. Yeah, I, I think um, he's set up well and set up for success here coming in. Um, he's gotten all the right endorsements. Um, obviously there's a belief that he's a rising star in college basketball in the coaching ranks. Uh, so I, I, I think, I think Providence identified somebody that's young, hungry, up and coming. And I think if you're looking at a, at a hire for your next head coach, this, this was the ideal fit. Um, now it's about seeing what, what this team can do on the floor. And again, I, I think he's he's really set up for success. And and part of that was his job, as you mentioned, retaining the current Friars that were here that had success last season, while also still, you know, retaining a guy like Garway Duell, who I think obviously could be, you know, a very intriguing prospect. I think we're all interested to see how he does in his first year. And then adding guys that have seen you coach that know what you are like as a head coach and Josh Aduro ticket gains guys that come in from George Mason. So mix it all together. And Providence is really primed here to be a, a contender for an NCAA tournament spot again in a conference that bill, I am just so fascinated to watch and see this season. Um, and, and I think in some ways, are, are people really talking about Providence it, and the team itself, the program? I don't know, because a lot of the talk is about the guy that left Providence and went to Georgetown and a guy that coached Providence to a Final Four in the 80s who's at St. John's now, who Sports Center had a live Sports Center broadcast at their practice facility last week. I'm like, oh, my goodness. The effect of Ricky P. Slick Rick at Sports Center on campus. Like, man, oh, man. And then couple that with, you know, Marquette had a great year last year. They're picked to be the preseason preseason favorite, excuse me. A UConn national champions last year, picked third in the preseason poll. The defending national champions with Danny Hurley. Like there is so much going on in this conference. So I think you add that to the mix and you say, well, you know, could could Providence potentially be slept on here a little bit? maybe because of all that's going on in the Big East. But you put it all together, I think Providence is primed to have 
uh, a good season under Kim English, you know, in his first run and go at it. It's a fascinating league, as you mentioned. And, you know, you and I were both at Media Day last week at Madison Square Garden. And, you know, I think I wrote six or seven stories off the day. Yeah. There there was just that much to do in in terms of the angles that that you could pursue in this. Uh, You mentioned Marquette. They're the preseason favorite. They swept conference and and, uh, tournament titles last year. Uh, Seven first place votes from the coaches. Uh, Tyler Kolick, the Cumberland native, is the preseason Big East player of the year. Uh, that follows his postseason honor last season. Um, so certainly there's no surprise there. He's popped up on some preseason All-American teams. Um, you know, really had a terrific 2022-23. Um, is playing at a level that, you know, I've said this before on the pod, I, I didn't think that he would reach. I, I didn't see this player when he was at Cumberland. Um, you know, he's just remarkable in, in terms of his fit in that offense at Marquette, the, the way he's able to trigger – that ball screen offense, that spacing um, under Shaka Smart has, has been so impressive. Uh, the Friars have picked seventh in that poll. Uh, I think you could look and say St. John's fifth, Xavier sixth. That's a nod to the two coaches there, Rick Patino and Sean Miller. Uh, yeah. you know, Patino, obviously a, a national champion. Um, you know, Like you said, someone who's been to multiple Final Fours. Uh, Sean Miller has been to an Elite Eight and – you know, sort of came out of nowhere last year with guys like Sule Boom in the transfer portal, who we said, no, Xavier, you know, they could be okay. And all of a sudden they're they're leading the league for for a certain period there early in the season. Um now they have major questions, obviously. Zach Fremantle is out for the year. Uh Jerome Hunter could be out for the year. Um, so Xavier, you could argue, should have been behind the Friars. I don't know when those votes were submitted. Could that been, was gonna be my question. Yeah. Could have been before. Uh, you know, those medical decisions came through in September. Um, but Providence, I, I would say, Coy, I, I think you hit on this. You have two top 15 players. You shouldn't be seven. I agree. You, you should be higher than that. Um, you know, whether picked or in finish, you should be higher than that. And I think it all boils down to just questions about what Kim English will do. He's only had two seasons at George Mason. He's 34 and 29 in those two years. He's under 500 until the end of last year when he goes on a seven-game winning streak, um, which put his career record back into the black. Um, you know, but you're curious how he's going to adapt. Uh, you're curious how he's going to match up personally. Uh, you know, with some of these other coaches in the league, and I know that's something everybody wanted to ask him at media day, and he redirected those questions to the players and to the rest of the talent in the league. Um, and I couldn't necessarily tell if that was defensive or if that was sort of more in line with who he's going to be, you know, very much not buying into the hype or buying into the storyline or, um, you know, sort of adding any fuel to to anything that we'd like to spread. Um, you know, he'd rather just more coach his team and, and see what happens on, on a given game night. Um, you know, but I, I found it interesting the the tack that he took and and you know the way he's talked about coaching this team and how he'd like them to play. And you know, I guess I'm just intrigued to to watch him implement his philosophy and and the adjustments that he'll make on the fly. No, I agree. Um, that was something I wrote down here in my notes for today. I, I put down in my notes English, all business at Media Day. Mm. And and I think that that's the sense that I got. Uh, I I think as we are now days away from the season starting, I think Kim English is shifting in terms of his approach. I think he has done seven months of media and I think he is ready to coach his team. I think that's ready to happen. Um, And that was just, that was sort of the, the sense that I got at media day. He has done so much media, so much hype, so much social media, all of these things to hype up people about the program. Now, I think he is shifting his focus. I think he has flipped that switch into coach mode. I want to coach my team. I want to see what it looks like on the floor. I'm done, you know, feeding into the narratives and all of those things. I am ready to coach this team and see what they can do. And and I don't blame him. It's been a lot of hype. It's been a lot of lead up. It's been a lot of excitement. I think for Friar fans, they are excited to see what this guy can do. Um, and I think the sense that I've gotten from Kim and who he is in the past is, you know, he is a, he's sort of a, you know, a, a, a coach coach, like a, 
you know, he's a basketball junkie. He's a, he is a hoops guy. And, right. you know, I, I think he, he doesn't, the, the hype is all just a sidebar. It is what it is. He wants to get on the floor. He wants to see the game. He wants to do mm. all of that. So um, yeah, there was definitely a, a shift in focus there. And I think the answers were, were fine on media day. You know, he's like, yeah, I've coached against guys who have been in final fours and all that jazz. Like it's, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, he didn't care about that. You know, um, you know, I think one of his his key phrases at Media Day was it's not my focus. Yes. You know, and I and I believe him. I do. Um, because I think, again, his fo- his focus is now turned toward Monday, November 6th. They're, they're ready to go. They're done with uh, with all this hype. By the way, are you hearing my heating system as I'm talking? It clicked nope. in a few minutes ago. OK, good. No. Nope. Yeah, it's it sounds like, you know, when you're watching a Netflix show and you know, you hear that doo-doo, and then, you know, the Netflix open. Mm-hmm. That's what my new heating system sounds like. By the way, an off-season edition right there, the new heating system. It is the thing works like a charm. Really, really big investment. Big investment here at the Koi Condo. <laughs> well, we always talk about facilities in, in college basketball, and uh, it's important to be to be current <laughs> in, in that way. Uh, for folks who don't know, Coit lives in an old mill in the northern part of the state. It, it is a beautiful place. Um, you know, but definitely something that that would require some upgrades from time to time. Uh, I live in an old school in the middle of the state, and the difference for me is I don't turn my heat on, so you won't hear that happening anytime soon. Uh, well, I, ju- I just turned it back on yesterday because I came home and the temperature dropped into the 40s, and I'm like, oh boy, here was, we go. I was gonna say this this is the old grandparent standard. Now it's November 1st, so you can turn the heat on right this, officially. This is you it, know, winter's baby. gonna be here. Yep, here we go. Uh, um. You know, so look, looking at Providence, just from the standpoint of Kim English, probably just wants to coach his team and get the game started. Okay, great. Yep. I think there are a few givens there. If Bryce Hopkins plays well, if Devin Carter plays well, there's a, a nice high ceiling for this team. So we're going to assume that that happens. Yep. The questions here for me are at point guard. Yep. First and foremost. And then in terms of what you do with your rotation and and at point guard, we'll start with Jaden Pierre, who looks like he's going to be in the first five. Uh, we got a, a little bit of a look at him last season, 30% assist rate, 24% turnover rate. If you can separate those two numbers a little bit more, if the assist rate can go up five and the turnover rate can go down five, you've got a pretty good player there. Uh, and certainly I think there's pressure on Jaden Pierre to perform to his pedigree. He was highly touted as a recruit. Uh, someone who pushed and at times ineffective Jared Bynum last year in this lineup, um, you know, and someone who will be pushed this year by Garway Dual. He did not come in here as a top 50 recruit with a little bit of buzz about potentially being one and done or two and done to go to the NBA draft to sit behind Jaden Pierre. Uh, so I think there's a lot of pressure on his shoulders from that standpoint. I also think that you know, the other four guys in the starting lineup are going to be pretty well established. It's going to be Hopkins, Carter, Gaines, Aduro. I think it's pretty clear that those would be the four guys who play the majority of the minutes at the other positions. Um, you're going to have Floyd, Castro, and Dual behind those guys. And I think that's a pretty tight eight-man rotation for Providence. Uh, you know, we're not going to see Justin Fernandez. He's likely to redshirt with a knee injury. I think he would have played as well. Uh, you know, but otherwise, you're looking at Donovan Santoro and Eli Delorier, two freshman big guys who aren't going to be ready to play. Um, you know, certainly aren't going to take minutes from Hopkins or Gaines or Oduro. Uh, so I think Kim English has a he's got a nice, tight eight man rotation here. I, I think those questions sort themselves out. And I think what he's going to have to do most of all is is manage the point guard position. I think a lot of that is going to be determined by how Jaden Pierre plays. I agree. Um, and you know, we've been in the past on this, on this podcast fans of, of Jaden Pierre, I think from the jump, you know, I think his, I think I liked his passing ability. Um, and so, you know, I'm interested to see with a, an elevated role and jumping in, you know, as the starting point guard to start, you know, how he handles the role um, and, and how he commands the floor. And, you know, in, in I think he will be pushed by Joel and, and that's, that's a good thing. Um, I think those two, between the two of those guys, I think that they're going to handle that role um, just fine. Uh, and, and that's a good thing. I think the other, the other place I'm looking on the roster, because I think Oduro, 
you know, when healthy, uh, which sounds like he's going to be all right. You know, we've seen him in a walking booth the last like month or so. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, I think Josh is ready for this step. He's two time, all Atlantic 10 player. Mm. Like this is the, this is the logical next step for a guy like this. Like he has proven himself in that league, take the jump to the big East, see how he handles things. Um, but I, I think he'll handle things just fine. Um, I, I look at Slim Castro. I, I look at Rafael Castro, and I think this is a huge opportunity for him. Uh, I think when Providence first brought him in, they believed in his raw ability, and now he gets a chance to try to showcase that. He is going to get meaningful minutes off the bench. And so, you know, how does he handle that? Can he harness that athleticism? Can he show that off on the floor? Um, you know, I think he's a he's a kid with a great personality, um, and he's got great ability. Um, and so I'm interested to see how he does in his role, um, because I think that can be crucial for the Friars. I, I look at a couple of years ago when the Friars got to the Sweet 16. Uh, you you have a guy like Nate Watson, who is you know clearly your your starting center. But think about how important Ed Croswell was to that team in his role. Uh, I, I think I think similarly about you know what Slim Castro can can add to this team, and you know if he can come off the bench, make an impact, um, and and give you that depth, you know, in in the front court, then I, I think th- that can be a key to Providence's season and success. You know, I think that as you mentioned, the top eight are very important to this team. Um, and everybody's got to contribute. And that's that's a kid I look at and say, I, you know, I'm expecting a, a big jump from him this year in his role. And not to make a direct comparison because their games are very different. But but if you look at someone like Aduro, he was a two time all A10 player. Ed Croswell was you know, essentially a role player for LaSalle, uh, you know, someone who played starters minutes in his second year, but you know, was generally known as a rebounder and, and not much else. He'd score his points on the glass and that'd be about it. Um obviously developed by leaps and bounds at, at Providence and was a completely different player by the end of his fifth year than he was uh, compared to the, the guy who got there, um, you know, who moved away from the Explorers in his native Philadelphia. Uh, Castro is is a guy who I asked Aduro about at media day, and he said, this guy can do some things athletically that that I can't do. Absolutely. Um, you know, he's, he's that special in practice. He, every once in a while he'll do something and we'll all just look and say, wow, you know, this guy is – an absolute freak. Um, you know how that translates on game nights. Like you said, he'll get a chance to show it because he's going to be the primary backup to Aduro. If they want to play a big lineup, they could play him next to Aduro in the front court, uh, and they'll need it in the Big East that has several standout big men. Donovan Kling and Ryan Kalkbrenner are come to mind. Um, you know, we'll get into the rest of those guys in in terms of predictions in part three of the pod. Um, you know, but Providence starting off Monday night against Columbia uh, at the Amp. They will play Milwaukee, their second game, a, a team that's picked high in the Horizon League. And then we ramp up to Wisconsin uh, as part of the Gabbitt games. And, and really that game three at the Amp, which should be well attended, uh, is going to be one that will be a great early measuring stick for Providence. They'll get a really good idea of how they sort out, uh, you know, before they head overseas to the Bahamas. Um, and play a couple of high-profile games out there. So, you know, you look at the Friars and, and you think, interesting. You know, the most questions we've had about them in a long time, just because of the long-term stability of Ed Cooley here and, um, you know, obviously him going to Georgetown is is a dynamic in the league that's going to play out, you know, over the course of months. And everyone's got January 27th circled on their calendar. What, what's going on that night, Coy? Why, why do I have that circle on my calendar? Couldn't tell you. No <laughs> idea. I, I hear there's a basketball game at, at the Amp that afternoon. Um, you know, something going on there. But, uh, I don't, oh, that's right. Cooley and the Hoyas come to town. Going to be, I mean, we're, we're going to be talking about it for months. <laughs> just just how much. Hey. I mean, it's going to be saucy, really. Um, yeah. You know, I, it's emotional in so many different ways. Um, Cooley knows it. English knows it. Everybody knows it. And, you know, we'll have plenty of time to discuss that. But, um, you know, they've got a first half of the season to get to before all that uh, hoopla, which is good. Georgetown picked eighth in the league for the record. Uh, We'll see how that plays out. The the, the teams at the bottom really have a fight on their hands to get out of there. 
Oh. Because the top of the league is really, really good. Ridiculous. As you alluded to uh, at the beginning of the pod. I, I mean, really, you're, you're talking about the defending national champs who lost seven games in league play last year, uh, picked third. So that gives you an idea how people feel about Marquette and, and Creighton. Uh, you know, everyone expects a bounce back year from Villanova. They're picked fourth. Um, and then there was a, a little bit of a gap from Villanova to, to St. John's. Um, you know, so we'll see how that shakes out. I, I think Providence will be fascinating Me regardless. Um, we go to uh, another media day that was held in New York. Uh, that was the Atlantic 10 men. And that brings us to the University of Rhode Island. Uh, that was the previous week. I was in Brooklyn for that one as well. Uh, the Rams picked 13 in the A-10. Uh, sorry, 14. What am I looking at? I'm looking at UMass, who's picked 13. Um, 14th in the A-10, no players recognized preseason uh, and pretty much a, an, an all-new cast for Archie Miller here. They're coming off a 9-22 and debut under Miller. Uh, they lost in the first round of the A-10 tournament to LaSalle. Uh, it was a game that they were never really in, um, You know, lost by 17, and you know, when asked, I think it was by Ian Steele in the post-game press conference, your your compadre. Um, you know, so what happens now in the offseason? Archie offered a one-word answer, recruiting, period. And there you story, go. Recruiting. And uh, that's certainly what Rhode Island has done. They, they were heavily involved in the transfer portal. Um, their losses include Ish Leggett. He goes to Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, he was a productive player for them. Um, but in terms of the guys they've brought in, uh, it's very much a remade roster. Wednesday night, they have a, an exhibition against Assumption, and I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. We'll talk about that on, on future editions of the pod. Um, you know, But some of the names you need to know, Lewis Courtright in from Quinnipiac, uh, Jaden House from High Point, Zeke Montgomery from Bradley, Tyson Brown's a Juco kid from Florida. Um, David Green is a transfer from Louisiana Tech. They're waiting on an NCAA waiver from him. Uh, if ultimately that waiver is approved, he would raise their ceiling considerably. Um, you know, so you're looking at pretty much an all new cast here in year two. I, I think Archie Miller made some intentional decisions here. I think he tried to get older, more athletic, more dynamic. Um, and certainly on paper, if you look at this collection of guys and their track record, he succeeded in that. What that translates to on the floor, we're all going to find out soon. This, to me, um, to start this season, is the construction worker at the beginning of Major League, reading the newspaper, seeing the new names on the opening day roster for Cleveland, and saying, who are these bleeping guys, right? That's that's what I think when I, when I see it. But, <laughs> but I think at some point during this season, I think these guys are going to show who they are. And I think it'll be the construction worker again. And they'll look at and he'll look at it and say, hey, maybe these guys ain't so bad. Right. And I, I think we're getting that from from Archie as well. I think we're getting that sort of, uh, you know, feeling because he keeps saying, Bill, he keeps saying I've heard Archie say this multiple times. Mm. We're going to surprise some people. He believes in what he's recruited here. And I and that's that's a good thing if you're the coach. He, he said, uh, you know, something to the effect of I know talent and, and this is not 14th place talent. Yeah. Um, what what we hope, continuing the major league uh, illusions going, is that, <laughs> is that ultimately we don't have the uh, the opinions of the Japanese groundskeepers uh, at some point, <laughs> because that's not what we're looking for if, if those guys are, are proven correct around February or so. Right, right. Uh, you know, I, I won't even repeat it in Japanese because I don't want to cuss on the pod. Uh, yep. <laughs> but um it it uh, it implies that they're not very good, uh, regardless of the right, right, changing right. of the deck chairs on the Titanic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Rody last year, I, I just thought that you know, I, I looked at that team and they had some holdovers, certainly. Um, you know, but I look at where those guys ended up off last year's team. Ishlegit goes to Pittsburgh, which is a nice move for him. Uh, I would imagine it's a little more money in his pocket in terms of NIL. And considering his family situation, I don't begrudge Ish for for doing that. His dad obviously has, you know, long term medical bills that that need to be paid, and and you know he's going to help him do that uh, in that way. You know, both with a college and and probably with an overseas pro career. But you look at the rest of the guys who left URI. You know, most of them transferred down. 
Uh, Jalen Carey is a grad transfer, still hasn't found a home. It doesn't look like he's going to play college basketball this year. Um, so you get an idea once guys are out on the open market like that, and there really is no interest in the A-10 mid-major level or above, you, you get an idea what the talent level was just on that team last year. And you, know, you and I saw it every night. It wasn't very good. With that said, that group still won five games in the A-10. Yeah. Yeah, you know, they played on the first night in Brooklyn, which is is not where anybody wants to be. You know, the bottom yeah. five or six teams play in that. And theoretically, you could still go up to 10th and, and still play in that. But I don't think you can tell me that that group who wins five games, who who's pretty barren in terms of guys who uh, have upside and ability in the league and, and could be the best player in the league, you can't tell me that this team can't do better than that. Yeah. You know, is going to lose 14 single digit games like, you know, like last year's team did. Um, yeah, I'd be very surprised by that. And and I think the guys who catch the eye for me are, are Courtright, who we've seen play before at, at Quinnipiac, who, who beat URI in, in Miller's debut at the Ryan Center. Uh, House, who is very strong and athletic. And as we saw in the blue-white scrimmage, is not afraid to go to the basket. Uh, will put his own body in, in jeopardy going to the basket. Doesn't mind being on the floor. Um, Montgomery played deep into the NIT with Bradley last year. Uh, you know, they feel like he has great upside as a wing. It's really going to put a lot of pressure on Brandon Weston to get on the floor or, or else. Yeah. Um, you know, Brown is is a Juco guy who produced at that level, uh, was nearly a double-double guy at Florida Southwestern. Um, you know, and and you just look at that collection, those four guys who they brought in, and, and you think – if this group can find a way to play together, if there is chemistry there, uh, the overall product just it just has to be better. It just has to. I think so too. Um, and again, I think you know I joke about you know all the the new guys and new faces that they they bring in, but um, you know you can see what they recruited. They recruited guys that have some experience, um, that have some talent, that can play different roles. Um, you know, I'm interested to see who sort of steps forward as maybe the shooters on this team. Cause I, I, I think offense was something that, you know, was tough to come by, particularly beyond the arc on the perimeter mm-hmm. last year for this team. So I think Archie has, has recruited guys that, you know, I think hopefully can step forward there, provide some more offense, provide some spark. Um, and then, yeah, I I'm, I'm with you. I'm really interested to see the, the guys that are back that were around the program last year. What can they do? Um, you know, I think Rory Stewart had had a great experience over the summer playing some some great competition overseas. So, you know, can he come in and 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 help you in, in certain ways? You know, Brandon seems to be the I think the the flag bearer when it comes to, you know, what Archie and the coaching staff, what their vision is. And I think he believes in, you know, where this program can go. And I think that's important to have, even with all the new guys that you have on the roster. You know, I think watching Brandon Weston walk around smile on his face, you know, happy to be there, happy to see where the program's going. I think that's important to have somebody like that. Um, and particularly, and I think he can obviously, you know, help you on the floor as well. Um, you know, and I know Bilal is, you know, still rehabbing, still coming back, but whenever they get him back, um, boy, if he could make any sort of impact this season, it was disappointing. That was one of the disappointments of last year for you or I was, I think that kid was starting to ascend in non-conference play starting to come into his own and then the knee injury happens and it's like ah man that's frustrating because he really could have helped them and so if he comes back at some point this year is able to contribute at all and ascend the way he was ascending then that can help you as well so um you know i think with all the unknown there's also a chance for a a wider or a higher ceiling i guess you could say in terms of what this uri program can do where it can go but with all the talent that it's brought in all the experience that it's brought in um you know i'm not totally shocked to to hear archie say i think we're going to surprise some people and i think when he says that he means i don't think this is a 14th place team out of 15 in the a10 so if they can put it together um you know if guys can you know find their roles and find their niche in this program then you know i i think he'll be proven right yeah jeremy Firmino also takes off the red shirt he gives you a true big guy in the middle uh great size someone who we Need saw that. work out before games last year um you know he's tantalizing in that way just like any big guy is he, you don't 
You, know, you don't often get a 6'10", 6'11 guy at URI who can walk and chew gum at the same time. It, it looks like he can't. Um, you know, so theoretically that will be a factor at some point. You mentioned the offense, Coit. You're right. They were horrendous last year. Uh, 316 in Ken Palm in terms of adjusted efficiency. 357 in effective field goal percentage. They didn't shoot it well from two or from three. Um, you know, and it was a tractor pull too many nights. It, it really, you know, it, it's just so hard to play that way. You know, when you know you're going to be in the 50s or the 60s and every possession feels like such an effort. You know, there's nothing easy there. There's no layups. There's no runouts. There's no you know, wide open three. And this guy's definitely going to make it if we find him wide open for three. Just no way to get out of jail in, in that way. Um, you know, and that grates on you mentally over time. And and I think we saw the end of last year, Uri's players looked tired. Archie looked tired. He he was certainly, you know, in Brooklyn, did not look happy while he was getting his ass kicked by LaSalle. And and I don't blame him. Um, you know, because he'd watched that movie for five months. And it was it was really difficult. And he hasn't lost like that. You know, you, you think back to Archie right. Miller and his career, and the first time we saw him at Dayton, you know couple so so years and then all of a sudden he's in the elite eight and he's an ncaa tournament team for four years and he goes to indiana and all right it didn't go the way he wanted to at indiana but he hasn't lost like that not nine and 22 and so not only do you put faith in in the players that he recruited but you put faith in the fact that this guy's been a winner he's been on winning staffs he knows what it takes um you know, I'd be very surprised if he has another team that that plays that way, that struggles that much. Um, you look at his old home, Dayton, they are the prohibitive favorite in the A-10. They got 20 first-place votes. VCU second with Ryan Odom, the former NCAA tournament darling at UMBC, went out to Utah State, and now he is back uh, in the Mid-Atlantic at VCU, taking over from Mike Rhodes, who went to Penn State. Uh, shout out Rosie Langello. Love you, Rosie. You all hired a good coach. <laughs> uh, St. Bonaventure, third with old friend Charles Pride uh, and Attleboro native Mark Schmidt. Uh, the Bonnies are a team to watch, I think. Duquesne, fourth. St. Joe's, fifth. St. Joe's, I thought, was a little low. I, I think St. Joe's, that's a question on Billy Lang going into year five. I don't think it's a question about his talent. I think if you redrafted the whole league, St. Joe's would have eight or nine guys picked. Uh, yeah. I think that's more a reflection of, you know, the coaches might not believe in Billy as much as they believe in his players. Um, you know, so your eye has some climbing to do. Certainly what I would like to see this year, Coit, is something similar to Dan Hurley's year two, where you went 14 and 18 and the arrow was clearly pointing up going into year three. And at that point they were postseason team. They made the NIT. Um, so I, I just like to see some progress. And, and I think we will see that out of this group. Um, you know, even though we have no idea what the starting lineup is going to be or the rotations, um, yeah. I think we agree that that it is better, will be better than than what it was. Yeah, the unknown is it's always interesting because you know it, it could go any number of different directions. Um, but I think the exciting part of the unknown is just there's a lot of opportunity there for a lot of guys, you know, and if guy comes into a program like this and is able to establish himself like a house as a scorer you know he's a leading scorer at high point last year like this is a guy that he can score so if he comes in establishes himself you know there's a there's a great opportunity there um as i'm talking i'm just kind of looking at the schedule here and just just thinking to myself because you mentioned that 14 and 18 season under hurley was that the year they beat nebraska i was the following year okay it was the following year year three yeah okay all right, because um, I'm thinking like I, I just I'll I'll always point to that as the turning point in the Hurley era was the Nebraska win at home because it, it was the point where you looked at it and you said this is going to work. Yeah, I'm not sure when, I'm not sure what year, but this is eventually going to work. Yeah, and I so if it was the year before, that was that was toward the end of the season. You saw some flashes, I think, from EC from Haas. That was. You're like, oh, well, you know, well, they're not it's not translating to, uh, you know, many wins yet, particularly in league. But you can see the flash of talent there. You know, I remember that. Um, I remember that clearly because I was just learning the program myself. And, you know, Ken Bell said, hey, I called down to URI. You're going to do some interviews with some guys down there today. I'm like, "Okay, great. So I took the camera down there and 
some guy in sweatpants walks across the uh, the court and you know says, uh, "Okay, who the who the heck am I talking to today?" This guy. <laughs> and it was it was the first time I met Danny. All right, where am I looking? Am I looking at you? Looking at the camera? What am I doing here? So, you know. But I I think the point is I joke. Uh, but you know, if if they can show progress, I'm with you. Um, and establish some things, establish some guys here, establish some roles, then. You know, you'll feel good about them going forward. They start off with Central Connecticut on Monday, Fairfield and Wagner, both at home. And then a big step up in class, two games at Mohegan Sun, uh, starting with Northwestern on Saturday. Uh, That will be fun. I'll be down at Mohegan for that weekend. Um, You know, you or I always draw as well at Mohegan. So it'll be great to see all the Ram fans there. And, you know, hopefully this squad can put on a show for you. Um, you know, team that we know a little bit more about and a team that is expected to contend in their conference, the Brown Bears. There we go. Uh, a team that, uh, you know, Coit in, in, uh, while wearing one of his eight media hats, uh, does a lot of work <laughs> for on ESPN plus, uh, the Bears picked fourth in the Ivy league this year which would represent a breakthrough for Mike Martin, one that is long awaited, uh, finally an invitation to the Ivy League tournament, Ivy Madness. Um, and you look at Brown and, and you think the pieces that they bring back and the pieces that they did not have at the end of last season due to injury, you wonder if it could have happened last year in 2022-23. They, they came up one game short on a tiebreaker. Again, that's that's a place that they've been. Before they lost the season finale at home to Yale, and and that was it. Um, you know, and obviously they they declined to play in any postseason basketball because their guys were hurt and and they were out of gas. Uh, you know, Kalu Anya wasn't going to play. Nana Wusu Anane was not healthy at that point. Uh, did you want to put more miles on Kino Lilly and and Paxson Wojcik? No, probably not. Uh, but this year Brown. Coming in, excuse excuse the pun. They are loaded for bear this season. They they are. Uh, you know this very is nice. team. This very is nice, Bill. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> dad jokes without being a dad. Hey ho, poor. Uh, that's why you come to this podcast, folks. Yeah, baby. Slapstick content like that. Um, but Brown is is certainly a team that uh, you know has the requisite pieces to make a challenge for the Ivy League title. You you could have the Player of the Year in Keno Lilly Jr. I don't think it would surprise anybody if if he ascended to that level. He's already been the rookie of the year in the league and a first team all conference player. Owusu uh, Anane is a has the potential to be a dominant big guy, uh, multifaceted. You know, can score it, can rebound it, can pass it a little bit. Kalu Anya last year showed flashes of a guy who could be a double double guy uh, on on any given night. Uh, so athletic, explosive. Um, you know, for Brown, I, I look at the roster and. You know, I don't think they've had a better front court in in recent years. You know, Mike Martin probably hasn't had a better front court. The the question on this team is secondary perimeter offense. Beyond yep. Keno Lilly, is there someone else who can make shots? Is there someone else in the guard group or on the wing who can score the ball? And, and I think if you know, if Brown had another year with Paxson Wojcik, who, who's a grad transfer, he's at North Carolina now. If if he was able to come back for a fifth year. Um, I think this team would be a shoe in to make the Ivy tournament. I, I think they'd be there easily. Um, you know, I wonder who steps into that role. I think that determines their season. Hundred percent, hundred percent. You you can tell that. You know, being at their scrimmage a couple weeks ago, Mike Martin has a complete pulse on this team. He he knows what what needs to happen in order for them to have success, and it's it's what you just said. Um, He's very excited about the front court depth, and he should be. I mean, the the downside of last season's injuries were, were that you stumbled toward the end, um, and you you gave everything you could. But you know, when you're when you're limping around the last weekend trying to you know get to Ivy Madness and get to the Ivy tournament, you know, having all these injuries, it just sort of caught up. But the plus side of the silver lining of that happening is guys were thrust into roles and got minutes and now they have experience. You know, a guy like a Landon Lewis was thrust into a spot where he had to contribute for Brown as a freshman. Now 
He's a guy that's in the mix that has experience playing in the Ivy League. Now you're looking at it and say, well, Nana has experience and Kalu has experience and Landon has experience and everything that you, you know, and, and even Malachi has experience, like all of those guys. Now you you've seen what they can do. They've shown you what they can do. And so it's going to be a, a stiff competition at that position. So they're all going to contribute in some way, shape or form. Um, but you're right. It's about, I think your your sure things at guard are Kino and Chemo. Those are your your two guys that are going to help you there. Right. A- after that, who steps forward? You know, who, who's going to be the the guy that comes off the bench that can can handle, you know, the point guard duties can, you know, offset, you know, Kino a little bit when they get him off the floor. Um, you know, I I look at, you know, Lindell uh, Lindell Errolds could be a guy he flashed a little bit in the scrimmage when we saw him um you know can a athletic guy like a Felix Kloman give you something off the bench we know he can jump out of the gym you know can he push the pace a little bit um you know the freshman uh, Malcolm Risby Jefferson is a guy that you know will have a chance to contribute right away and in the Ivy League the beautiful thing about freshmen is that they can come in and contribute right away they can show you flashes and if a guy like that can you know handle things for you carve out a role he doesn't have to be the star player on the team he's just got to carve out a role so you know those are a few names i throw out there um you know will they necessarily fit those roles we'll see but you know they're going to need some help you know in the backcourt off the bench and i think it will determine the ceiling of this team this season because they have all the pieces to you know, be a top four team in the Ivy League. I believe they're going to be a top four team in the Ivy League. Um, in terms of returnees, I think they're one of the strongest in the league. The league lost a lot, mostly to St. Yeah. John's and Rick Pitino. Um, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But honestly, um, yeah. but they they have a strong group of returnees, and so I expect a a fun season for Brown. I really do. Yeah, Brown. Uh, you know. Ivy League, much more traditional college basketball now. Not a ton of transfers and and no real NIL. So you're looking at straight recruiting and player development and and projection. And when you keep that in mind, out of the guys who you mentioned there, I I look at Felix Kloman. You're a senior. It's your time. You have playing time in front of you. You have a chance to claim a valuable role on this team, play a meaningful role on this team at a position of need. Are you ready to do it? You know, why did Brown recruit you? It was for this reason, to be in this spot at this time and produce as a senior. And if you're able to do that, if you're able to take some of the pressure off Keno Lilly, um, you know, if you're able to make some open shots and prevent people from double-teaming Nana Wusu Anane in the post, then you've proven your worth on the court to this team. And and you'll probably end up playing at Columbia in Ivy Madness. Um, you know, it's it's your chance. You know, Lindell Errold is is a little bit more of a creator, I, I would say. He's worked hard on his shot, um, you know, looks much better and, and more ready to contribute here as a junior. Um, you know, but you want you want the old guys to lead the way. Like that's that's the way it was designed forever and ever and ever. Um you know, and if, if we're going to think that the Ivy League is, you know, more traditional in that way and, you know, more what college basketball used to be, and if you're a purist in that way, you want to see Felix Plumman do it. Um, you know, and he showed in the Brown-White game that he's got ability. I mean, he's knocking down open shots and um, really had himself a, a good outing on that morning at Pizzatola Center. Um, you know, and I, I certainly think that, you know, this team, the luxury that they have is when you get in trouble, you have a player in Keno who you can just throw it to and say, hey, man, we're struggling. Do go something. to work, baby. Go, go to work. work. You know, yep. go get us 30 and he can do it. Yep. Um, you know, he he is so special in terms of his offensive ability, his quickness. Um, he gets a shot off now quicker than than I remember him doing it before. Um, you know, he gets to sp- anywhere he wants on the floor. Um you know, can can shake down just about any defender, bigger, smaller, quicker, does not matter. Um, you know, he's very difficult to guard. Um, you know, he's the type of guy who you, you look at as a teammate and you say, this guy's going to give us a chance every single night. This guy, if he plays well, we have a chance to win. And it just mentally, there's so much value in that. You know, oh, yeah. so, so many teams who, 
you know, we watch it quite like you get to that under four timeout the second half and you see some teams, they look around and they start looking at each other like, are you going to take the shot? Are you going to take it? Are you going to take it? Are you, are you open? Or do you want to shoot it? Brown will be like, go ahead, Keno. Yep. Your ball, your game. Let's go. You make a couple threes. We win. You don't, we lose. Okay, fine. We'll get back on the bus. Like we went down with our best guy. Um, you know, and I, I just think there's, there's so much value in that. I think if, if he has a player of the year type season, um, you know, you could certainly see Brown breaking through here under Mike Martin, and and it would be both long awaited and and well deserved if they're able to do it. Amen. Um, yeah, and it's a really good group too. You can tell. I think it's 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 fun when you see a coach who clearly likes coaching his team. You know, that's, that's always, I think it's so, it's such a boost. You know, I, I, I think of uh, recently we've been covering obviously um, the start to the hockey season uh, over Providence college and Nate Lehman a couple weeks ago said to Ian Steele on camera, he's like, I love this team. Mm. He's like, I, I, I wake up in the morning. He said, I wake up in the morning, excited to come to work and coach this team. And they're number seven in the country right now. Right. And they've knocked off two top five teams already. Yes. Like that to me, it, it goes such a long way. And and I think Mike is really excited about this team. Um, you know, he hasn't said those words out loud. Um, you know, so we'll see. Who knows? Could be totally wrong. <laughs> no, but his not. actions, no, but his actions and his mood show it. Yeah, right. I think so too. I agree. Um, and I, I think Mike and his staff always recruit good kids um you know high character quality kids and i think that's what you get you know with an ivy league institution obviously um but i just yeah i i like the group that he has and you know so i think that that goes a long way i think they're gonna they're gonna be excited to coach this team and try to reach their ceiling um you know with with this group and yeah we'll we'll see but you're right i think on on certain nights it may just be all right kino this is this is your night this is your night, bud. Just, just go do it, and and he's gonna do it. He will. That's that's how special a talent he is. I I expect him to contend for for Ivy League Player of the Year. I do. I think he's gonna be great. Yale are the team favorites, uh, seemingly annually now under James Jones. He is such a darn good coach. So good. Ugh. Good coach. Good guy. Um, you know, still is is able to. Uh, you know, impart his his wisdom on that team. It, it doesn't seem like it ever gets old, even though he's been there for two decades. He he seems to remain fresh and relevant. Um, you know, and is only getting better in in my mind. Uh, his teams have only gotten better during his time there. Uh, Fourteen first place votes for Yale, Princeton coming off uh, you know a, a Cinderella NCAA tournament run. They they were one of the darlings of March. Last year, they got the other two in second, Cornell third, Brown fourth. Penn had one of the biggest defections in the league, obviously, with Jordan Dingle going to St. John's, still had eligibility left. If if Jordan Dingle was still at Penn, you have to think the Quakers would have been picked ahead of Brown. Sure. Um, so in this case, modern college basketball and, and a kid wanting to go back home, you know, a little closer to New York. Uh, and maybe play on a little bigger stage, that benefits the Bears in, in this case, uh, you know, because they have a chance. Um, you know, Keno Lilly Jr. didn't make a similar decision and go to Georgia Tech, let's say, or, uh, you know, wherever it may be. He decided, nope, I'm going to stay here, finish my Ivy League degree in the next two years, and then I can, you know, play in Europe for 10 and and then put on my resume, hey, I'm an Ivy League graduate. I, that was a strange decision by uh, Jordan Dingle in, in my mind, but you know ricky p man somebody somebody gave him the stardust the fairy dust fella you know and and i i say keno go to georgia tech because he could play in the acc he's from virginia so obviously you'd you'd be coming back and playing virginia and virginia tech and you know whoever else um but brown you know certainly set up for something special potentially uh and they start off with some tough ones right away. They are at Colgate and our old buddy Keegan Records on opening night. Um, that'll be a real test on November 6th. I, I think, you know, love that Mike Martin likes his team and says, okay, guys, I like you so much that we're going to challenge you right away in game one. I, I think that's <laughs> I think that's fantastic. I, yep. I, you, you look at all these other games and 
so many of these teams play and it's like, ah, you know, we'll, we'll just take, uh, you know, we'll take insert NEC team here or we'll buy SWAC team X. And it's like, you know, why, why should we challenge ourselves? And Mike Martin's like, nope, I like my team. Let's go right away. Opening night. We're playing Colgate. That's like, good. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. Uh, he's got Loyola, Maryland, then New Hampshire, Rhode Island College, obviously in an open date. The Ivy only plays 14 conference games, so it's harder for them to fill 17 non-conference games. It's just not going to happen. So occasionally you have a D3 there. You got Rhode Island College, and then you go to USC, which you know is a preseason top 15 type team, homecoming game for Kimo Ferrari and Landon Lewis. That'll be another real test. Um, you know, so Brown will we'll figure out a lot about them very early. Mike will get a a good idea of how much his team can be pushed very early on here in the season. Um, Coit, we'll go to Bryant next. Uh, Bryant, a team that is predicted to contend in the America East, but, you know, certainly a, a program that's had the apple cart upset on them uh, over the last month with, with what's going on with Jared Grasso and, uh, you know, their coaching situation there. Um, you know, Jared's been placed on leave by the school. It's on a leave of absence, um, you know, for undisclosed reasons. It is not a medical reason. Uh, the school is conducting its due diligence um, into some conduct behind the scenes, and, and ultimately they will decide whether or not he will continue there as a men's basketball coach. He's also had an arrest for leaving the scene of an accident that, that was not related to being put on leave. Um, that court proceeding is still ongoing as we speak. Um, you know, I, I would imagine folks who are listening to this have seen the North Smithfield body cam footage, uh, you know, of Jared's. Um, meeting with police at his home. Um, you know, first and foremost, I, I wish Jared the best. I, I hope, you know, if he needs help, that he gets it uh, in, in whatever way that he needs. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say that we're personal friends or that we socialize or anything like that, but we do form relationships with coaches through working with them in media. We do spend a lot of time around these people for a five or six month period. Um, you know, and, and I think... You know, I just don't like to see people struggling, regardless of what it is. And, um, you know, that body cam footage was was disturbing for me to watch uh, because that is not necessarily the the Jared that we've worked with. Um, you know, it's not necessarily the the Jared who has led Bryant to a first NCAA tournament berth, an NEC tournament title, um, you know, really put Smithfield on the map there a couple of years ago in terms of its Division One history. Um you know, so obviously some tough times there in Smithfield. Phil Martelli Jr. steps in as the acting head coach. Uh, he will lead Bryant into their opener Monday night against Manhattan at home. He's got a pretty good team, Coit. Really does. I mean, yeah. third in America East. There's a lot of talent here. I, I know we both felt like they underachieved last season, uh, struggling the way they did down the stretch. A lot of those guys are back. You, you might have the advantage of continuity from year one to year two with a certain group. Charles Pride's a big loss, but otherwise that core is pretty much intact. They have an opportunity to do something here. Phil Martelli has an opportunity to plant his flag in the ground as a head coach for the first time. Uh, but you just wonder you know, in terms of the, the turmoil surrounding this program in the last six weeks or so, uh, just where they're going to be at mentally and and how they move forward. Yeah, um, you know, well said. First of all, uh, on Jared, um, not much more needs to be said. Um, so I, I think you put it uh, put it well, Bill, in terms of the relationships we build doing this job. Um, and so hopefully, you know, I I think you said it best. Um, you know, in terms of the team itself, you're right. There's a lot of there's a lot of continuity. I I think. With this team, though, you know, you mentioned Charles Pride. I, I think last year there may have been a bit of a struggle in terms of I, I you know, I talk about this on our on our podcast here a lot. The the role establishment, mm. um, because I think mm. you had a guy like Charles that was, you know, I, I think he was well established what he was in the NCAA tournament team. You know, the guy I, I think it was established that. Peter Kiss is the the one number one guy, you know, the scorer, one of the best scorers in the country. And I think Charles was probably the, you know, Robin to his Batman, if you will. And at some nights he had to be Batman, um, but he was able to do that. I think last year there was a struggle of, OK, you know, is 
is Charles now the number one guy or is it, you know, is it Sharif? Is Sharif Gross Bullock going to be that? It, it, it just, I don't know. I don't feel like they ever established like, this is your role. This is your role. This is your role. Right. Um, and I think with, you know, some off season time together in the gym, um, you know, a little bit of change, um, you know, maybe this becomes clearly, okay, Sharif runs this team, you know, Earl is your guy down low. Um, you know, Earl is the guy that can, you know, handle things in the paint. And then you sort of go from there, but there's, there is a lot of continuity, you know, you, you're gone going through the roster and I'm like, of all the teams in the state, you know, next to PC, this, this team has a lot of guys that we recognize Sharif, Earl, Tyler Brelsford, Kayvon Kramer, Doug Etter, uh, you know, even a Miles Latimer, like there are a lot of guys there. And then the guys that you've brought in to help, you know, I think, you know, Raphael Pinzone is a is a pretty talented guy. He's got a little bit of bite to him, which I think fits the personality, um, you know, of the program. Though we'll see how that personality shifts with, you know, at, at this point to start, you know, a new head coach. Um, you know, is is it uh, does Phil sort of put his stamp on it? You know, I think a lot of times these teams are they adapt the personality of their head coaches when i say bite you know who i think of i think of jared grasso you know mm-hmm. is that necessarily phil i i you know i don't know i don't maybe not maybe who knows we haven't seen him as a head coach um but certainly as you said he's going to have a chance to put a stamp on it and um you know so we'll see uh, but there's a lot of continuity there so i i think in terms of the situation that's sort of the cloud over the program with what's going on with its head coach, I think having, you know, a lot of continuity, having a lot of guys back that have played together that, you know, know what they can do on the floor. I think that can help them sort of weather the storm, if you will. And, and the good news is I, you know, this is, it's not happening five days before the season. You know, I think they've had a chance to get in the gym, sort of say, okay, you know, the 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 dust has settled a little bit in terms of what's going on. It's still, you know, pending and still ongoing. Um, but they've had a chance to say, like, okay, well, that is that. This is our team. This is our basketball season. We're in the gym. We have a game on November, you know, are they starting November sixth? Are they one of the teams that's on the seventh? No, the sixth. They have man. Yeah, the sixth. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um it's in my calendar, but that yeah. day is like it's it's packed. Yeah. Um you know, they, they have a chance to go out there and say, okay, let's, let's focus on the basketball. They've had time to sort of absorb it, if you will. It didn't happen five days before the season. It also didn't happen in the middle of the summer when 38 guys could have jumped into the portal. You could have had assistant coaches looking and saying, oh, I'm not staying for this. You know, I'm going to go somewhere else. Um, you know, you avoided a, a massive shakeup in, in that way. Uh, you know, you didn't necessarily have coaches calling your players saying, Hey, think you should leave you know that's going to be a disaster we'll get you a hardship waiver and, and you can come in here I mean all you have to say is our, our coach got suspended and I didn't come here to play for the other guy and you know it's sort of like coach firing potentially the, the NCAA will you know give you some leniency and allow you to leave schools that didn't happen that was deep into September uh start of October you're, you're already locked into your classes you're, you're not necessarily going to say oh I you know I need to get out it's not going to be that way I also think being around Phil Martelli Jr. a, a little bit, I, I know, you know, he always goes out of his way to, you know, to talk to the media before practice. And, you know, as a guy who has a, a great name in college basketball, what can he do as a head coach? I, I think it's a, a really interesting opportunity for him. He's taking over a team that is pretty talented. You know, normally when you get your first head coaching job, you're taking over something that, that's either broken or that's deficient. And, you know, in Phil's case, I don't think that's the way it is at all at, at Bryant. Um, you know, the guys he brings back, obviously, Gross Bullock and, and Timberlake are both preseason first-team All-America East guys. You know, so you get two of the top six players in your league. Um, you know, like you said, you, you've got a core, you've got a core group there with Brelsford and and Kramer and Latimer and Eric, guys who have played together. You've got you know transfers from higher levels, whether it's Pinzone or Daniel Rivera, who comes in from St. Louis. Um, you know, those are guys who've been exposed to to good competition. And you know, really that that's how Jared built, you know, his NCAA team. He he had guys who they recruited and developed, but also guys who came in from from higher levels or or equal levels, uh, you know, junior college, who 
who were better than the NEC. They they just were. I mean, Peter Kiss was in the Big Ten for for a hot second. Um, you know, he's he's a much better player than you know playing against Sacred Heart and 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 those guys on a given night. He he just was. He was a pro. Um, you know, so I, I look at this opportunity for Phil and and I just think that. You know, if he is able to be as organized and 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 as direct and effective as as we've seen him be with us, um, if he can translate that over to the players, along with Chris Cole and you know the other guys on their staff, um, you know, I see a chance for him to do well here. Uh, you know, non-conference, it's a brutal schedule. Um, you know, but once you get into the league, you've got a little better idea of the America East after having gone through it for a year, you, you've got an idea of what Vermont does and what UMass Lowell does. They're the two teams picked ahead of you in the conference. Um, you know, you're less likely to stumble against the New Hampshire's and the NJITs of the world. You you might be more comfortable against them in a way you might be able to take care of your business against them a, a little better. Um, you know, and if that translates to, to a home conference tournament game, maybe two, uh, you know, at that point, you're you're right there. You know, you're on the lip of the cup for another NCAA tournament bid. Um, you know, that's obviously a long way into the future. But, you know, I'm really interested to see how Phil Martelli Jr. puts his own stamp, not only in this program, but on his coaching career. Yeah, but he's ready. This is this is a good time. Um, he's ready. He has a long, extensive, um, you know, resume as an assistant coach. He's been in the game for, you know, a long time and um he was born into the game. He was born into the I mean, game, but, you know, the game. but I I always appreciate somebody like Phil who has done it his own way. We right. know we know that Senior is a legend, um a guy that I think so interesting I think it's so interesting that Senior is an interim coach right now too. I that's think right. that's so cool. I think that's cool. The two of them, you know, yep. sort of living it together. Um, you know, but, but Phil Jr., he, he went his own route. I think it, it can be easy in any profession, anywhere with anybody that if dad has an established career, he has a name, the family has a name that it's easy for them to say, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take the help and, and go that direction. Phil Jr. didn't do that. You know, he's been to Niagara, he's been to Manhattan, he's been to Bryant, he's been all these places. G League. G League too, Delaware. That's right, with Delaware. Like he he's been all these believe me. I I I did a um Phil will laugh if you know when he if and when he listens to this. Um just I did a deep dive on Phil Martelli Jr.'s resume last night. I went down a rabbit hole and started watching videos. Uh, of St. Joseph's from, you know, 2002, 2003, 2004. And I'm like, man, oh. those teams, man, Jameer and Delante. And whoo, that is interesting stuff. Um, so I went down a YouTube rabbit hole. Thanks to Phil Jr. last night. Um, but, you know, just looking at all the places he's been, all the experience that he's gotten, you know, Phil has established himself um, as you know, uh, an assistant that deserves an opportunity like this, and I, I commend him for that. Um, and I think I think he's going to do well. I think he's well prepared. Um, he's a level-headed guy. If you've never had a chance to to talk and interact with Phil, um, obviously a family man as well. So, um, you know, I think this will be really, really interesting for him. And you're right. I think when you when you have an opportunity like this, and you have you know great players and a great team to coach. It, it obviously gives you, you know, a real chance to, you know, put your stamp on things because this ain't a rebuild. This ain't years in the making. He's going to compete in this league right away. And and that's a great thing. Yeah. And, you know, they'll need to be up to speed quickly. Uh, obviously, I, I think, you know, it's good that they're going to have five or six weeks of, of practice under Phil to have an idea of, of who he is and how he's going to handle them, uh, you know, because you look at the schedule and it is brutal. Uh, and it's one that Phil put together himself. <laughs> so I think there's going to be some of these nights on the road where he's going to be in his hotel room cursing himself for actually making or taking <laughs> said phone calls. Right. Uh, you know, he's got, they've got Manhattan at home, Fisher at home, and then they go to Rutgers. Uh, you know, and Rutgers is one of four non-conference games, according to Ken Palm, where they have less than a 10% chance of winning. Which, if you look at some of the teams that they're playing here, you know, at Rutgers, 
at Florida Atlantic, who was in the Final Four last year, at Xavier, at Cincinnati, at Ole Miss uh, on New Year's Eve. Happy New Year, guys. You go play the SEC for a night. Uh, you know, I mean, holy smokes, what a schedule. Um, you know, but that's that's not the point when you're at that level. That's a one-bid league. You're just trying to challenge your guys. You're trying to get them more exposure, you know, maybe some pro video at that point. If, you know, let's say Miles Latimer goes out and has 20 points against Ole Miss. Miles Latimer could play overseas in that one game. They could look and say, all right, this guy's got some ability. Like, that's the whole point of doing that. You know, Sharif, Sharif Gross Bullock goes out and he lights up Rutgers and has 35. That could mean eight years in Germany for him, yeah. you know, playing playing pro until he's 33 or 34. Just off that one game, he'd get an opportunity on that because not many guys are going to put 30 on Rutgers. Um, you know, so that's that's the sort of thing, that's sort of opportunity that that they look for and that they have early. Um, you know, they start with Manhattan on Monday at the Chase. Um, you know, and that will be fascinating to watch in terms of Bryant and, and their program. Um, quite anything else on the men's teams here? Nothing. I think we've established things, uh, and I'm sure we'll have some predictions here uh, down the road with this podcast. I'll be in part three of the pod, as promised. Uh, we will move on to the women in part two coming up shortly.